you ever wondered, have you ever wondered how God treats us when we fail him? When you, when you feel like you're just a, a total failure, when you failed him time and time again, and you just, what does God think of me? Why do I keep doing these things? Why do I keep failing? Why do I keep falling? We may wonder out loud, is, is there any hope? Is there any hope for forgiveness? Is there any hope for restoration? That God would restore me to a place of grace? And what happens when we feel like we failed him over and over and over again? I mean, can we come back to him? Is there ever a time he's going to say, nope, the door is shut? Too many times, folks. Too many times, Sean. It's just too much. I can't have you come back to me now. Will I be forever shunned? Do you ever feel that way? That, that God is going to shun you or he's going to reject you and he's not going to welcome you back because you just you failed one too many times? Well, if you have ever felt that way, if you feel that way right now, this message is for you. We have been going through our current teaching series called Face to Face, and these are sermons all about face-to-face conversations people had with Jesus. These are one-on-one conversations. Uh, Not a lot of people around. Today's story takes place. There was one person kind of off at a distance, but this was between Jesus and someone who failed him and failed him in a pretty big way. Um, Today's message is a story of hope. It is a story of forgiveness and restoration. When we fail Jesus, and we do fail him, When we fail Jesus, he does not walk away. He does not abandon us. He does not leave us or forsake us. He does not give up on us, even when we fail him. So grab your Bibles and grab your bulletin. Uh, We're going to look at John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. And we're going to fill in some blanks on your bulletin on the handy-dandy outline on page 3. We'll do that in a few minutes. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about this story from John 21. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what Jesus knows. Jesus knows everything, right? We we know that. Jesus knows everything. Uh, But there are three specific things that I want to talk about that Jesus knows today. This story here in John 21 takes place after Jesus' resurrection. Peter... And the disciples really aren't sure what to do. And so Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, if you don't get anything else out of the sermon, get this. It's always good advice that when you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, and you don't know what to do with yourself, fish. It's just great advice. I mean, it's right there in the Bible. Go fishing. So that's what Peter does. Peter and some of his fellow disciples get in a boat. They go out on the Sea of Galilee, and they go fishing. Now, they're fishing all night. The reason that they fished at night was because they would take what they would catch, they would clean it in the morning, and then they would sell it first thing in the morning for people to have food for the day. Okay? So that's why they went fishing at night. So they're out, and they're fishing all night. Now, I've heard it said that the, uh, the worst day fishing is still better than the best day working. Okay? And uh, I believe that that is true. Anyway, um, but uh, the disciples are out fishing all night long, and they are having the worst day fishing, and the absolute worst day fishing. Uh, they, uh, I've often heard it said that the, if it was easy, they would call it catching. Um, but uh, they are not catching anything, not catching a single thing. 
They're out there all night long. And you got to believe that they're tired, that they're exhausted, that they're frustrated, they're getting a little angry, a little short with each other, you know, and they just haven't caught a thing all night long. Sun's coming up, brand new day. They look in, at the shore. They're about 100 yards away from the shore, the Bible says. They're about 100 yards out, and they see a figure standing on the beach. Okay, so if you'd imagine about the size of a football field, they're standing in one end zone and the uh, figure on the beach is in the other end zone and they look across. They can't see who it is, but they the person on the beach has built a fire. So they got a fire going. They're cooking a little food uh, and the disciples are out in their ship on the Sea of Galilee. They haven't caught a thing. They're frustrated, angry, whatever. So the disciples are out there and the, the figure on the beach calls out to them, says, have you caught any fish? They said, no, the figure on the beach says, take your nets, cast them over to the other side of the ship. Fine. The Bible says, John records, they caught 153 fish. He counted every single one of them. 153 fish. So many fish that the the nets are, are tearing as they're pulling it up into the boat. Now, John exclaims it's the lord peter says i gotta go peter throws off his coat jumps in the water and starts running hey peter thanks thanks a lot buddy leave us here to pull all these fish in by ourselves that are tearing the nets you know there's a ton of fish and they're trying to get it all in peter's gone zoom he runs over to the to the uh to the shore where jesus is because it's jesus and um i wonder what's going through peter's mind now, he had seen Jesus twice before this, and they haven't had the conversation yet. But he knows it's coming, right? He knows they're going to have to talk about it. They're going to have the 800-pound gorilla in the room. they got to talk about it. they got to talk about what happened the night that Jesus was arrested, the night before he was crucified. Because Jesus told Peter, I tell you the truth, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no way. I never deny you. And sure enough, Three times he denied knowing his best friend. You were with him? No, no, not me. I saw you with him. Nope, I don't I don't know the man. You were with him in the garden. No, it wasn't me. I don't know the man. Three times he denied knowing him. And I'm wondering to myself, is Peter thinking about this as he's running to shore? He's so excited to see Jesus, and then suddenly he gets this kind of sick feeling in the pit of his stomach. You know what I'm talking about. When that confrontation is going to happen, when that conversation is going to happen, the one that you don't want to happen, the one that is just like, oh, I can't believe i got to do this. So Peter's running up there to see Jesus, and they got to have a conversation. Eventually they had to talk about it. You know, Peter denied him three times, and in Jesus' darkest hour, in Jesus' greatest moment of need, Peter failed him. Not once, not twice, but three times. So, there's no sweeping this under the rug. There's no, oh, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. They got to have the conversation. And that's what happens in John 21, 15 through 19. They go off by themselves. Jesus has made the disciples some food. He's invited them to have some breakfast. And then in verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Three times Peter denied knowing Jesus. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. Three times Peter said he didn't know Jesus. And now three times Jesus challenges him to serve him. You may have heard it said, you may have heard a teaching about how Jesus uses a different word for love than Peter uses. That when Jesus says, do you truly love me? He uses the word uh, agape. He uses the word for unconditional love. Do you unconditionally love me? Do you love me with everything you are? And Peter responds not with the word agape, but he responds with the word phileo, which is a word for brotherly love, like Philadelphia, okay? Um, and I, I was doing some research on this week, and it's like, does that mean anything? And these two words, agape and phileo, are used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. So there's, it's really not a big deal that they were using two different words. They're used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. But the, the thing is, the, the point is, is that Jesus comes to Peter, and he says to Peter, do you love me? And, Jesus, and Peter says, yes, I do. Three times. Jesus reaches out to Peter and brings him back to a place of restoration and a place of grace. He forgives him and he restores him to a place of service. He doesn't hold his failure against him. The first blank on your outline is Jesus knows your failures. Will you confess them? See, Jesus knows everything about us, like I said before. He knows everything about us. There's nothing about us that Jesus doesn't know. Hairs on your head, length of your fingernails, he knows everything about you. He knows what's in your heart, knows what's in your soul, he knows what you're thinking about right now. Oh, lunch is only 45 minutes away. Um, Jesus knows your failures, too. He knows your failures. He knows what we've done. He knows how we've missed the mark. He knows how we've messed up. He knows how we've fallen short. He knows how we have failed. The question is, will we confess our failures to him? Will we confess it to him? Now, the word confess literally means to agree with. For example, you have a child, and your child is three years old, and it's awfully quiet in the house, which means nothing good is about to happen. And so you make your way from your bedroom out to the kitchen and your little child has managed to take a chair and push it up against the counter, has climbed up onto the counter and has put their hand in the cookie jar. What are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That, that, oh, I'm caught. And what do they say? What do they say? Oh, this has happened before. 
nothing. Nothing really. Hmm. Looks like you have your hand in the cook. Do you know what your child is doing? Absolutely. You know what they're doing. You can see it right there. What do they, they tell you? Nothing. Why do they tell you nothing? Because they're afraid. Nothing. Are you asking, are you surprised? Uh, oh, okay. Well, if it's nothing, then, then that's fine. We'll just go about our way. No, you know what they're doing. You are trying to get them to confess what they've done. You know what they've done. You are just trying to get them to agree with what you already know. When we confess to God, we are not taking him by surprise. We are not shocking him. When he looks at you and you say, oh, Lord, I've sinned, he doesn't say, oh, really? I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, I can't believe it. I'm so surprised. God knows what you've done. He knows what I've done. When I confess to God, I'm merely agreeing with what he already knows. He knows what I've done. I'm just agreeing with him that what I've done is sinful. There are two things that we need to confess. The first is we need to confess the fact that we are sinners. We need to confess the fact that we are sinners. Um, in, I want to look at two verses from 1 John. The first is 1 John 1.8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say, I'm not a sinner, I've never sinned, we are deceiving ourselves. We are sinners and we are deluding ourselves if we deny the fact that we are sinners. God knows that we are sinners and we confess it to him and we agree with him. In verse 10, it says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Again, God knows that we are sinners. That's what he calls us. He says that you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. Wouldn't you like to be a sinner too? No. I've done that before. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, God knows that we are sinners. And when we confess that we are sinners, we are agreeing with him in his assessment of the situation. But what, what do we do? Instead of, instead of confessing our sin, we try to skirt the issue. Well, I, I mess up from time to time. It's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. We'll get to that in just a second. Or we'll try and sweep it under the rug. I'm a good person. Nobody's perfect. I mean, I'm not perfect, but, but you know, nobody's perfect. Or we'll try and compare ourselves to others. We'll try and compare ourselves to others. Well, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not like that guy. I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not like her. Did you see what they did? Did you watch the news? At least I'm not like them. Or we'll exaggerate. We'll, exa we'll use exaggeration about other people's sins. Well, I'm not perfect, but I've never killed anyone. Oh, good for you. That's great. Keep that up, okay? Keep that one going. But you know what? You're right. I'm, and I'm right. We're not perfect. We are not perfect. We know that. And Jesus knows that. That's why he came to die for our sins, because we are not perfect. We are incapable of keeping God's commands on our own. If we could, if we could keep God's commands, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But because God sent Jesus, I know this is true, that I can't keep God's commands by myself. I can't keep them on my own. Jesus came to die because I can't do it on my own. God agrees with that. That's what God says. You can't do this on your own. Therefore, I have to send my son. Jesus had to come and die. We can't do it on our own. We are not perfect. 
We fall short. We sin. We mess up. We miss the mark. We fall. We fail. Sound familiar? Yeah. Every single one of us. We know this. We are not, we are not capable of doing this on our own. And that's why Jesus came to die. God made a way. He made a way. And the only way to be forgiven is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And salvation comes by no other name. Salvation comes through no other person other than through Jesus. So we need to confess the fact that we are sinners. The other thing we need to confess is the fact that we sin. The other thing we need to confess is our sins. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to confess our sins to God knowing that He will forgive them. Again, it's not because we're so great. It's not because we're so wonderful. It's not because we're so amazing. But the reason that God forgives us is because of His grace. It is a gift that He gives to us out of His great love for us. And when God forgives our sins, He forgets our sins. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That when God forgives your sins, when God forgives my sins, he forgets them. And it's all made possible by the grace of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for everybody, for everyone who's ever failed, for everyone who's ever fallen short, for everyone who's ever sinned. Jesus died for us. And how do we accept this gift of salvation? We believe in Jesus. We repent from sin. We confess our faith. We get baptized. And God forgives us our sins, fills us with the Holy Spirit, changes us us from the inside out transforms our lives, makes us more like Jesus, gives us the power to overcome sin and temptation. It's all made possible, and it's only made possible by Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus knows your failures. He knows my failures. He knows that I'm a sinner. He knows that you're a sinner. He knows that we are sinners, and yet he loves us anyway. He died for us in spite of our sinful rebellion. So quit running away from him and start running toward him instead. Quit running away from Jesus in shame and in guilt and in fear and run toward him instead and confess the fact that you are a sinner. Confess your sins to him and find grace at the cross. That's what we find there. The second blank on your outline is Jesus knows you love him. Will you tell him? Jesus knows you love him. Will you tell him? You know, Peter told Jesus, you know all things. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He knew that, you know, Peter loved him. Peter knew that Jesus loved him, but he needed restoration. He denied Jesus three times. He denied uh, and he needed to acknowledge his love for Jesus three times. How much do we love Jesus? I believe that many of us here do love Jesus. I believe that many of us here love Jesus a lot. We really do love Jesus. Yet we fail him on a regular basis. We fail him in our sins. We fail him when we miss the mark. We, despite our love for him, we failed him. 
And we need restoration too, just like Peter needed restoration. We need restoration. We need to receive forgiveness and restoration. When was the last time you told Jesus that you loved him? Really, seriously, when was the last time you told Jesus that you loved him? It's good to tell him. It is good to say, Jesus, I love you. Now, it's not a way of, of stroking his ego, you know, like he's some kind of lovesick teenager. Oh, I hope that Sean loves me. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. No, that's not Jesus. That's not, what he's, that's not what he's doing. He knows that I love him, but I need to tell him that I love him. Why? It's good for me. I need to say those words. I need to tell Jesus, Jesus, I love you. I need to be reminded of my love for Christ. You need to re- be reminded of your love for Christ. Just to say in prayer, Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for dying for my sins. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for saving me. You know, it's a good thing to remind God, uh, to remind yourself that you love Jesus. It's a good thing to remind yourself that you love God. You know, it, it, think about your children for a second. Or think about your spouse. Or think about your parents. Uh, think about your sister, your brother, uh, your fellow Christians. Think about somebody that you love. Okay, you got the picture in your head? I, the person that you love, maybe the person you love the most. Do you tell that person that you love them? Of course you do. You tell them that you love them. Why? Is it to make them feel good? Is it out of habit? Is it out of obligation? Well, I gotta tell. See, I, I, you know, I should tell them. And, and you know, no. One of the reasons that we tell people that we love them, it, yes, it is for their benefit, but it's for our benefit as well. We remind ourselves, I love that my spouse. I love my children because there are days when it's like, okay, I love them, right? I do love them. Okay, all right. Yes, I do love them. Okay, I love you. You know, but we need that reminder as well. They, they need to be reminded, but we need the reminder. It is good for us to tell those that we love that we love them. So here's a little challenge for you. Okay, think of that person after church today. Find them, call them, uh, write them, tell them that you love them. Okay, just a little side challenge. Just tell somebody that you love them today. It's a good thing to do. But we need to tell Jesus that we love him. But more than just saying the words, we need to live out our love for him. We need to live our love for him. Uh, uh, Look at these two verses from, from John 14. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And 1421 says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Jesus was talking here with his disciples. He was telling them that what was going to happen in the next uh, uh, in the next day, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be killed for our sins. He says that love and obedience go hand in hand. Love and obedience go hand in hand. If you are going to love Jesus, if we are going to love Jesus, we have to give it more than lip service. It has to be more than words. It has to be more than just, oh yeah, I love Jesus. No, are you living it out? Are you obeying Jesus? Because Jesus says that if you really love me, your love will be evident by your obedience. Let us obey his commands and demonstrate more than just in word. Let us demonstrate in deed that we love Jesus. The third blank on your outline is Jesus knows your future. Will you follow him? This is the last thing Jesus told Peter. The last thing he told him was, follow me. He had restored him after his fall. He had restored him after his failure. And what does he tell him to do? He calls him to follow him. And Jesus calls us to do the same. He calls us to follow him. When we fall, when we fail, 
Jesus does not wash his hands of us. Nope. Had enough. I'm done. I'm out. Had enough. No more. I've put up with him enough. I put up with that Sean guy enough. I've, I had it with him. I'm done. I'm just washing my hands of him. Forget it. We're over. We're, we're through. We're, we're finished. You know, that's not what Jesus does. He does not push us away. He knows that we need restoration. And even in our rebellion and even in our sin and even in our failure, he calls us back to himself. He does not berate us. He does not belittle us. Oh, what were you thinking? You know, one of my favorite stories, when I was a kid, I, growing up at First Christian in Crown Point, we had a guest speaker come. His name is Ken Smith. He was a minister at Maryville for a long time. And he, he told one of the, he, he gave me a, a bit of truth in this sermon that I've never forgotten. And he would talk about how uh, we are like little babies in God's eyes. We're like little children in God's eyes. And, and think about when you teach your child to walk. You know, when you're teaching your child to walk. And uh, I remember when I was a guy, little guy, uh, when I was a little guy, I was teaching my little brother how to walk, my little brother Patrick. He's eight years younger than me. And a friend of mine uh, and I sat across the room from each other with a bag of cookies. And so each of us had cookies. And Patrick, come get the cookie. Patrick, come get the cookie. Patrick, come get And he would, you know, and then grab the cookie and eat it. And, and that's how he learned to walk, as, as far as I remember. Uh, but uh, that's one of the ways, you know, that's how he learned to walk. It, you're walking across the room to get the cookie. And, uh, you know, and, and when you're learning to walk, it's hard. You know, you're getting your balance, you got your sea legs, you're, you know, you're doing all these things. And, and, uh, and, and then when your child falls down and, and, and they fall, uh, you run over to them and you scream at them, what is the matter with you? Why is this taking so long? I don't have all day. Can't you figure this out? What's wrong with you? No, you don't do that. Because first of all, the baby falls and he's crying. Yay! Probably because he's not going to get the cookie. But anyway, you know, the baby's crying, and, and you're like, three steps? You took three steps? This is the greatest day ever. And you pick your child up, you dust them off. They're like, oh, yay, 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 three steps. You're like, what is going on here? And you're like, yay. Uh, okay, let's try again. Let's go for four steps. In God's eyes, we're like little babies learning how to walk, learning how to figure this whole thing out, learning how to figure out this life thing. And when we learn to walk, when we're learning to walk, and we're learning to walk with Jesus, and we're learning to get this thing right, he does not belittle us when we fall. He does not berate us when we fail. He says, good job. I know you fell. Let's do, let's try again. He dusts us, he picks us up, he dusts us off, sets us back on our feet, says, okay, let's do this again. Does that make sense? See, that speaks to me. Because I know what a failure I am. I know how I fall. I know how I sin. And my fear is that I'm going to be rejected by God, that I'm going to be turned away. And that's not what he does. That's not what he does. He comes to us. He came to Peter. He said, Peter, we've got to have a conversation. But I'm not going to berate you. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to shun you. I'm not going to wash my hands of you. I am going to forgive you and I am going to restore you to a right relationship with me we can come back to him we can come back to him we can come running to his arms and what does Jesus tell us the same thing he told Peter follow me the Bible says that we're all like sheep we've all lost our way 
We all go astray. From time to time, we'll go astray. Think we know where we're going. Sheep are dumb, right? You know, that's why God calls us sheep, because we do dumb things. And we're like, dokey, dokey, do. I'm going to go over here and eat the grass over here. And it's like the shepherd's going the other direction. Dokey, 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 dokey. And when we lose our way, and we get scared, and we're frightened, and we don't know where we're going, and we feel totally lost, Jesus comes looking for us. And he picks us up. He dusts us off. says, let's do this again. Come on back to the fold. Come on back to the flock. I'm not giving up on you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to forsake you. And he does not treat us, the Bible says, as our sins deserve. He forgives us. And he lovingly and gently restores us when we fall away. He brings us back to where we belong and to where we need to be. Get this, okay? All right, write this one down if you want to, but just because you fail doesn't mean you can't follow. Just because you fail doesn't mean you can't follow. Jesus is calling out to us, follow me, follow me. He knew Peter's future. He knew what the future held for Peter, and it was not pretty. He was crucified upside down. He knew Peter's future, and his future was to follow him. And that is your future, too, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. My friends, we have hope. There is real hope, okay, even when we fail. Even when we fall, there is hope. We can be forgiven. We can be restored to a place of service. We can be restored to a place of love and grace. So a question for you this morning is, what is your next step? In light of today's message, what is your next step? Maybe, maybe it's to confess. Maybe you've been running away from God and you've been running away from Jesus and, and it's time to turn around and go back and repent and confess and just say, Jesus, these are my sins. Uh, these are my failures and we just need to confess our failures to him. If you are avoiding Jesus, stop. Stop avoiding Jesus. If you feel like Jesus is angry with you or disappointed in you, he's not. Come back to him. Tell him that you love him. If you are wallowing in guilt and in shame, thinking, I am the worst Christian ever, I'm the worst person ever, if you feel like you are of no use to Jesus, stop. Stop. Because you have infinite worth to Jesus. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to start anew with you. He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to serve Him. We are of infinite value and infinite worth to Jesus because he loves us. We are of infinite value to him even when we fall and even when we fail. He loves us enough to die for us even in our sins. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, if you clean up your act, I'll die for you. If you get it right, one week in a row, we are bribing our son with a video game. If you get straight A's two semesters, two quarters in a row, you get the video game. We're bribing him. Jesus doesn't do that. He didn't say, if you get it right seven days in a row, if you get it right for a month, just a month, if you go to church every day for the rest of your life, I'll die for you. That's not what he does. He's not bargaining with you. He says, you're a sinner. You need grace. You're a sinner. You need forgiveness. You're a sinner. You need me. And he gave himself on the cross. He didn't say, if you clean up your act, then I'll die for you. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ 
die for us. We are of infinite value and infinite worth to the Father, so much so that he sent his only son. And now we have the promise. We have the hope of forgiveness and eternal life. The enemy, he is your accuser. And he wants to render you useless for service in the kingdom of God. He wants to make you useless to God's kingdom. Do not let the voice of the enemy, do not let the voice of the enemy deafen you to the voice of Jesus. Because the enemy will accuse you. The enemy will say, you're worthless. You're of no value to God. Look at you, you're a failure. How many times are you going to keep doing that thing? How many times are you going to keep committing that sin? You're a failure. That's the voice of the enemy. Don't listen to him. Listen to the voice of Jesus. My child, my precious child, whom I love, whom I died for. You are mine. I bought you. I paid the price for you. I suffered for you. I died for you so that you can be forgiven. And it's because I love you. Confess your sins. Tell Jesus that you love him. And hear him say he loves you too. Follow him. Serve him. He has a great plan for your life. And Jesus knows that you have failed. He knows that you have stumbled. He knows that you will stumble and you will fall and you will fail again. He's not avoiding you. Stop avoiding him. Maybe you need to have a heart-to-heart conversation with Jesus today. Let him pick you up. Let him dust you off. Set you down. And get a brand new start. Today.